Hello everybody, welcome to the technical area, your weekly football manager podcast brought to you by me, your host, Gaffer Gramer once again. I'm back on Twitter, I'm back on socials, I'm seeing that it's a very, very interesting place to be. Plenty of good content being shared, plenty of saves have progressed much further than I ever would have imagined and, you know, kind of feel a little inadequate that week on after the Valencia story, the week on after the end, I still haven't fully settled on just whereabouts I'm going to be going in Football Manager 21. For the rest of the game. From this point on anyway. It was nice for to get back out and do the poll for this week's episode. Which we're talking about sustaining success. Once we get to the top how can we make sure we stay there. So it was great to kind of get the interactions there back with the community. Great to receive some emails as well from some people. I know I haven't responded to all of them. But I will certainly get around to that of course. And again, if you do wish to get in touch with me, the podcast, uh, you'll find the links down below to Twitter and to the email, whichever way works best for you. I have absolutely no uh, bother at all. I do know with email, you can have a little bit more of a longer form discussion. But even get involved with the comments on the comments on Twitter, you can send me DM, whatever it is works best for you. Feel free to send me a message, get involved and have a chat. So as I said, this week we're looking at sustaining success. Not something I'd know an awful lot about this year in Football Manager 21, being perfectly honest. But I suppose for many of you out there, you're at a point in your save where maybe you've just recently won your first trophy, or maybe you're someone who is winning on a regular basis. I don't know your own story. But then again, it's something that I suppose we can all take lessons from. We can all look to find inspiration, all look to see how best to get things done. One of the best ways I could really, you know, start off this podcast is by saying that, yes, I know I have done discussions before on dynasties. Uh, in terms of, you know, building a dynasty and in the legacy aspect. But now we're kind of talking about something a bit more that's kind of the process, something a little bit more that I heard some people discussing and was reading a little bit about during the week about, you know, heroes of dominance. You know, um, discussions with my own brother even kind of led to this conversation. And I suppose we do have to touch on this dynasty aspect once again in order to understand how best to sustain success. I looked up, you know, a, a few different websites, had a little bit of a read around. You'll find the links to them all found down below. And um, we're going to be touching on uh, the top, re- touching a little bit more on that topic of dynasties. We're going to look at, you know, um, you know those football clubs who kind of look short term, get some inspiration as well from other sports as well. We do know what happens there. How we sustain success in FM, goal setting and patience and finishing off with lessons from, you know, a manager, I suppose we could all look up to in terms of looking at legacies and dominance. And that is, of course, Sir Alex Ferguson giving him the final word once again. So in order to understand, you know, about sustaining success, what could happen here is your team could become 
I'm a dynasty. Your side could become a dynasty. You could be the founder of a dynasty in football manager. And a dynasty, as defined by Merriam-Webster's dictionary, is a sports franchise which has a prolonged run of successful seasons. Now, it's something I'm interested in is redefining success. And that's something I was interested in with Valencia. Something I spoke about last week with um, the conveyor belt, even with the 4-4-2 the weeks before, and the free rolls, where, you know, success might not actually be winning trophies, but success might be in, like, in terms of raising the profile of the club, becoming synonymous with, you know, youth production, a particular style of football, creating, you know, success in a new way. And I suppose if anyone is taking over at a smaller club, I know some people are having great success with mid-table clubs, taking them to top flight, um, to challenging up with you know with the big boys at the top in some of Europe's top leagues, to even reaching the latter stages of the Champions Leagues and continental competitions all across the world. But I suppose one of the biggest topics of discussion at the moment is this European Super League. And the reason is because European football is becoming dominated by just the same teams over and over again it's not you know if you count back to the year 2000 Bayern Munich have won the league is it 11 12 13 times since in the last 20 21 years and they look set at the moment anyway to continue that streak Real Madrid and Barcelona can have this duopoly in Spain although Atleti do have that lead going into this weekend we do look at uh, Italy, Juventus with nine in a row, Celtic with nine in a row, and Scotland. I know that is ending, but an era of dominance nonetheless. And what Manchester City is a fourth title we're about to see in five years. These monopolies are existing. They're being created, and they're, they're being self-sustained by money. Now, of course, these clubs are running themselves often into ground in order to stay at the top. And it's not like they haven't been at the top long enough in order to sustain it in ways that don't involve significant financial outlays every summer. Uh, running clubs into debt. But we are seeing, you know, the rise of clubs and clubs staying at the top who are, you know, who are run in, in not very, very positive ways, I suppose we could say, in football manager. And though I suppose the discussion about financial fair play are a different issue altogether. But now that as we enter this post-COVID period, January was the lowest spend in a Premier League transfer window in five, six years. We're looking at the, like, a trend there that has been steadily increasing across all network, all avenues. The summer spending was significant, you know, in terms of not many clubs made huge acquisitions after the end of the 2020, 2019-2020 season. So last, and then going into this summer, it's a case of, are we going to see clubs having to spend, or having the, the resources to spend? Are we going to continue to see these loan-to-buy moves, these long-term loan moves? You know, are we going to see players stuck? Where's player power going to be? But, you know, we and we all know this pinch in football manager. We all know how teams, ha you know, are struggling for finances in football manager 20, uh, 21. We all know that, you know, the, the pinch is there. And we've all felt the pinch to an extent. Now, of course, things do uh, stabilise over a number of years. I wouldn't know. I haven't gotten that far. But that's what Miles said at the start of the year, that, you know, we, we would see the, a normalisation, a resumption of 
the um, normal business post-COVID on Football Manager, but still. We are all up against the challenge because I know not many people want to be taken over at these dominating clubs. They want the challenge of working outside these clubs. So maybe you're taking them on in Europe, in other continental competitions, maybe in South America. Or even to the extent of they could be in your domestic league. It could be in the upper ends of the pyramid when you're taking a team from bottom to top up the footballing pyramid in an Asian. Then when you get to the top, you're looking, you're saying... Great, I have to play Bayern. Great, I have to play Juventus. Great, I have to play whoever. Paris Saint-Germain. And a lot of these clubs, what we are seeing, like I said, they're sustaining success through financial outlays on buying prime players for now to continue the process of winning now. And while this approach may, you know, continue to be followed for many years, there is a lack of sustainability because you just do not know when this run will end. If you are looking to other avenues, as we're going to be discussing in a moment of how to, you know, sustain success. We look at Madrid, Real Madrid this season. You look at Juventus this season. You look at Paris Saint-Germain to an extent this season. You look at Bayern have had troubles as well. Man City had, the, had a, a poor year last year. We are now looking and seeing, you know, there are down years for these teams. There are issues. And, you know, when you are looking to buy prime players, it's constantly just, you know, kind of feeding yourself hand to mouth. There's no long-term goal here. And in order to sustain success, I believe, and my approach in football manager, and the one I'm trying to convince you and have a discussion with you today about, is that there are much better, more sustainable ways that in football manager for you to create, you to follow, to ensure that you can stay at the top for as long as your save permits you, as long as your save exists, as long as your interest in the save exists even. And there are the three options I put out on Twitter there on Wednesday, today, at the time of recording, but on Wednesday. And I was asked, how do you plan for sustained success? And these are the three topics we're going to look at. Tactical evolution. No one. No one. None of the voters said tactical evolution was how they done it. Transfer policy was 80% of voters. And youth development, 20% of voters. And I suppose Black CFM put it very, very nicely in a simple, succinct and succinct manner. Training, appoint good backroom staff, and positive financial cycle. There were aspects I didn't really consider going into this whole approach. Training, of course, we all know is very, very important for developing our players, developing our style. Appointing good backroom staff, I think that goes without saying. Trying to find the best coaches that we possibly can. And then a positive financial cycle. I suppose that is success off the pitch. But on the pitch as well, how can we try and you know how can we try and ensure that the best players get out on the pitch? How can we ensure that not only the best players get out on the pitch, but that they perform in the best possible way? And I suppose tactical evolution, although nobody in the community kind of leaned in that direction, tactical evolution, I suppose, is something that can't be 
understated, can't be taken for granted. And although many of us may not get to 26 seasons in-game in a football manager edition, 26 years, I suppose, of Manchester United under Alex Ferguson, I think it's supposed to be the best example of tactical evolution. Because not only did Sir Alex Ferguson make himself change, but the game changed over time. In Football Manager, the game may not evolve over those 26 years. The game may stay with the same style, the same patterns, due to the limitations of it being a game, over 26 seasons. But through tactical evolution, I suppose, not only does it keep you fresh, not only does it keep you trying new things, exploring new avenues, but through tactical evolution as well, we don't become stagnant. We keep the AI guessing. Like how often has your set piece routines worked fantastically for for a while? And then after all of a sudden, you know, not only the gold strip, but suddenly you're not scoring from your set pieces as you once were. What happens when, you know, those overlapping wing backs suddenly are not getting the space to influence the game? Your deep line playmaker is being marked. Teams are playing that higher line and catching your advance forward offside. We have to be able to evolve and adjust tactically, not just season on season and year on year, but also from game to game. For many of us, we do start out at smaller clubs. We start out whether it's mid-table or below. And we all kind of see an idea of we want to play in a specific type of way. But I suppose when you are coming up the ranks when you are a lower reputation team and you get into the higher divisions the highest divisions even into european competition your style of football may change in that you may suddenly become a little bit more compact and hard to beat may become focused on counter-attacking football and then as your reputation slowly grows as you adjust adapt and begin to progress at the level you may want to change Tony Pulis at Stoke was a great example, though I suppose that was towards the end of Pulis's reign. We did see Stoke try and evolve to play a little bit more of a possession-based footballing style. And I suppose in Football Manager we do have a fantastic, you know, reservoir I'd almost say of resources. Fantastic. There's so many resources out there in terms of tactical styles and football manager. And then, of course, there are the real-life tactical inspirations you can take from whether it's the European game, inverting the pyramid, the likes of the Ruud Hullet or Johan Cruyff books in the game, Jurgen Klopp's, uh, The Quiet Genius, whatever it is. There's so many books and fantastic books out there that talk about you know, tactics, there's so many great articles, videos, podcasts talking about tactics that we don't have to stay stagnant in football manager with what we have. Although although the game may change, it may not change in the way that it would reflect it in real life over years and years. You can still look to developing and you know evolving your own tactical style and sustaining su- success by kind of being on the cutting edge by constantly asking to your opposition, the AI, new questions. Now, most people 
who voted on the poll, 80% of people went for the transfer policy and transfer model. And so having a good transfer model in place is key. And that, I suppose, could tie in with the youth development we could talk about in the next, you know, little kind of segment here. And it's something I suppose we spoke about a little bit more in detail last week. But having a detailed transfer policy, whether it's the rules you set out for a save, I know many people do set out rules for a save that they can only buy players of particular nation, players of particular uh, attributes, players under a particular age, transfer value, maximum fee paid, whatever it is. And so with your transfer policy, it's trying to be as creative and as flexible as possible. And I suppose we all know the best way. Get in on those wonder kids as early as possible. Develop them through your youth system. Develop them through your um, uh, increased game time as they progress through the ranks. And suddenly you've got starters on your hand. Whether it or not, it is something you... Um, the model you continue it as your save goes on that's totally different that's totally up to you um i know a lot of people you know look at the transfer model clubs like liverpool have used over previous seasons continue to use that statistic and database and you know before liverpool signed tiago last summer the only kind of player over the age of you know kind of senior player player toward you know, towards the, the the prime stages of the career that Liverpool played uh, money on in the, the Jurgen Klopp era was Ragnar Klavan, who himself was a stopgap. So I suppose, again, in sustaining success as we go along in Football Manager, buying younger players, developing them and building a cohesive side, that when you first begin to taste a little bit of success, then maybe it is you adopt the, you know, buy now, buy prime players to just come in and sustain kind of what's going on, just to come in and add a new dimension, just come in and add a new bit of leadership, a new bit of quality. Is it sustainable? Only yes, it is, but not if it becomes your sole reliance. That if you are only buying players of a particular age, maybe it's not sustainable when you get to the top, and maybe it's not the best way to sustain success for you. I won't go into too much detail with the 20% of people who did vote on youth development because I spoke an awful lot about it last week. And I suppose I've already touched upon it there in the transfer policy. But, you know, investing in your youth facilities, your youth recruiting, your youth coaching, investing in all of these avenues, that could possibly be one of the best ways to sustain sustaining success. Like we spoke about last week, Ajax, like we spoke about Benfica, you know, we spoke about all, so many clubs across Europe, across the world, clubs who would be maybe seen as stepping stone clubs. They have fantastic ability to, you know, produce quality young players. And if anyone out there, like you look at Schalke, look, obviously we all know the mess they're in right now in the Bundesliga. But we can't forget that Schalke are one of the best producers of young, fo- of young footballers in Germany um, since Das Reboot. Especially, look at the quality of players who've come out of Schalke's academy. Who've made it internationally with Germany, and you know who've moved on to pastures to other pastures. So, you know, Schalke will if Schalke go back to that um, youth development model. You know, developing quality players, bringing them through. Suddenly, we could see a total new club emerge 
whether it's in the Bundesliga too or not, which more than likely will be, I suppose you could all say at this point. But we're trying to tell you what we can let them reset and allow them to build for success. And then if they can continue to drip feed that squad, to continue to have young players emerging through, filling gaps, padding out the squad, then suddenly they're on a platform to sustain any success that they will build in future years. Goal setting and being patient though. That I suppose is the key. We have to have a goal. We have to allow for patience. And I read a great article on championshipcoachesnetwork.com. You'll find it down below. And there's some great points here I'd like to share with you from what I read there. Now, of course, read it yourself. There are some other points, I suppose, that could be made there as well that I have not yet touched on. But a desire to build a project that is self-sustaining where the goals of the project are paramount, even more paramount than the individual goals of the coach. So it's a case of obviously in football manager with club vision, we've, you, know, you have your own vision, the manager vision, going into the game, that's not really considered to an extent, I suppose. But if you want to build a self-sustaining project where the project, the goals of the project are paramount, it has to be what's best for the club and not what's best for you. A highly successful project is more than wins and losses. It's about your ability to recruit, develop, and challenge the players you have at your squad. Building from your values, you build a squad and a club and a philosophy on what is important to you. How do you want things to be done? That's the most important question here. How do you want things to be done on the pitch and off the pitch? And use these values then to guide your decision making in your recruiting and in your setting the standards of what you want at the club performance wise behavior wise personality wise mentoring wise whatever it is because and of course like something i've just said before you have to be able to evolve adapt and improve as you go along because as soon as you start feeling content as soon as you start feeling like you've you know you have the run of things then you know you have to challenge yourself again because if you, because if you start standing still that's when you start falling behind you need a bhag a big, hairy, audacious goal for the season, for the project. And what this will do is this will give your season, your project meaning. It will give you focus. It will give you challenge. And it will give you excitement. And for me, I suppose, when I read that article, that really jumped out to me because of where I am in my own football manager experiences this year, my own football manager adventure this year, that, you know, I need to find somewhere that I need to set myself a BHAG to give us my saves meaning focus give me give me a challenge and you know to continuously excite me to want to load up the game i suppose one of the fun things we all do in football manager and i suppose what could be you know in real life it certainly makes a, a good example is that if you recruit former players what you're doing there is you're helping continue the philosophy of instilling your ways and reinforcing your philosophy on the young players coming through in the squad that you have there maybe your own style of coaching your own preferences that may be imprinted on the players that you bring through and that when they ask that when they retire as coaches and become coaches that maybe you know, their own preferences may be shaped by you developing your own coaching tree what's important with the goals is to make them smart specific measurable achievable that we can review and so on and so on that these goals are purposeful and that we're pragmatic you know we can understand if things need to change develop and so on and i suppose we all need to develop 
you know, a ruthlessness that we cannot stand still. We have to be able to cut players off from the squad to move on from them. To, you know, to keep pushing on and not standing still. Be willing to let players leave to open the doors for new players for further growth. And that's what could even be done with your coaches as well. If you're looking to develop a new style, bring in the coaches that match that new style. To finish up, though, I'm going to f- f- leave with some lessons learned from Sir Alex Ferguson. In terms of patience, if you look at Sir Alex Ferguson, was appointed in 1986, I believe. And his first trophy win didn't come until the 1989-1990 FA Cup. And this started something for United. Not only did it save his job, because of course there were questions about whether or not Alex was the right man for the job almost five years in. But it opened the door for, to the creation of a winning culture at the club under his guidance. He then built to success. He understood what needed to be done and was able to make changes over time. In 95-96, he allowed a number of senior players to leave. And that's when the class of 92 were really given their chance to come in. And make a name for themselves as a cornerstone of the club. Become the identity of the club. They won the league in the class of 96. In the 95-96 season. And again in 96-97. They built to success. They were patient. And then after their first Premier League win. And after the end of the 92-93 season. This is a quote now from the Mirror. I'll link down below. The Man United, uh, Manchester United ended their 26-year way for a title. So Alex Ferguson was asked about forming a dynasty and he said, Well, we have the platform and we definitely have the resources. We have the players, as long as they're hungry. Because if they're not hungry, you can never achieve anything. I would be saying to my players, what I'd be saying to my players now is, Go on, the door's open for you. If you really want to do it, you can do it. I think in the modern context of football, it's very difficult to say you're going to dominate football. What I think we will do is I think we will be there all the time now. I'm confident of that. It's a very difficult league to win. And now that we're champions, it will put a definite, or in the Champions Cup next year, it will put a definite strain on us, particularly if we get into the weak situation where resources will be tested right to the full. But that's not something. But that's something we've got to accept. Accept that type of challenge. And I think the future looks good at this point in time. Obviously, I won't be taking my foot off the pedal. That's not in my nature. And I will certainly be looking for players to lead the way for me. I definitely think there's lessons to be learned from that quote for us, a football manager. But now, just before I say goodbye, I want to thank you for listening getting through the podcast to this point i really do appreciate it thank you for engaging thank you for you know all the support you've given the podcast over the past number of years if this is your first podcast welcome get involved next week if you really want you're more than welcome all the more voices we get on can shape what we do here as we you know um look to continue to grow the podcast and you know my own situation is going to change, you know, the next couple of days. You know, the podcast may take on a different shape, may take on a different form. There might be new aspects to it that I'm still working out the kinks of. But nonetheless, 
the, your community support, the community interactions do form a vital part of the podcast. Links to the articles that I read will be found down below. Links to everything will be found down below in terms of um, my socials and the podcast links and so on and so forth. Pond5 provided the music. So if you want any stock footage, Pond5 is a great place to go. Next week, episode 58, we are going to be talking about compromise for congestion. Something we're seeing a lot of clubs struggle with this year is with the you know significant volume of games. A long time ago, we spoke with Mike at According to FM about fixture congestion. So we're going to speak about, you know, do we need to compromise our philosophy? Do we need to readjust our tactics to, uh, with the balance of intensity with fixture congestion? So that's, you know, that's something I'm really interested in getting into more with you next week. Polls and all the like will be going out soon. So thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, like, share, review, really, really would appreciate it. Stay safe. Talk soon. Bye now. Thank you.